Alright, alright. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aspiring Adult Podcast. I know I haven't put out an episode in a while, and that's largely because there are so many things going on in my life that have been constantly moving, such as myself. I'm constantly moving. I have been to San Diego, then I went to Chicago and Ohio, and now I'm going back to San Diego again, hence the change of scenery and the special edition that I have this week. So this week, we're doing a dad and daughter DD session on the podcast this week. So I have a very special guest, my dad. Hello! Okay, that was nice. So this is going to be a daily podcast session. So we're currently in the Sprinter van that my dad just got from a place advanced RV in Ohio and so will it be Ohio so do you want to tell us a little bit about the Sprinter and why you got it uh, well the initial thing way back in the day was am I supposed to hold this for you if you want was uh, the, the, the dream at retirement was always to sell everything get our uh, a motorhome and just see everything that I never got to see raising uh, ungrateful children uh, when we went out west when did we go to Arizona two years ago three years ago four years ago five Arizona. years ago seven years ago so long ago seven years ago oh way more than that David was looking at college no when we went on your the, the, New your, Mexico eh, same difference it's all out west uh we went out to New Mexico and we were driving. Yeah, but we went to that one, we went to the one place that, uh, where was the Indian place? Bandelier National Park. Bandelier National Park and kind of the, uh, there was one van in there that really kind of made sense to have a smaller vehicle to go to places, so that's how we switched to that and, uh, 478 days or something to retirement and this showed up. So we got this. So I would say that this was very fortunate timing then for you to take a trip across the country in your new car. What would you say? I'd say the parasite is working as intended. Exactly. Some things just work out, especially for me. When you're me, things just fall into your lap. So with the... Sprinter van now in full function, full throttle. We're headed back to Cleveland or Willoughby, Ohio to get the RV checked on. And what would you say are some things that you weren't expecting about the the Sprinter van versus some things that are functioning better than you intended? I don't think I have any unintended surprises, really. I think it's... Uh... I think just for me, just getting used to a small space. But I've slept like a baby in this thing for the last three nights. Better than I have in my house. And where are we sitting right now? We are in the bed. With my daughter. That, you didn't need to add that. <laughs> I know that. We didn't, do we know? I know that. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so... We're taking a, again, seven-day trip out to, or hopefully seven days. We're not really sure the exact timing. We're hoping that it's only going to take seven days to get from Boston, or actually Ma- Acton, Massachusetts, all the way to Encinitas, which is going to be my new home. So on this trip, I decided that what a great opportunity to interview my dad to get to know him a little bit better and that way I can also show the person that I am today because of how he raised me so there's a lot of and I think that there's there's a lot to be unpacked if you will because therapists like to largely say that a good portion of who you are is how you are raised and I'm a firm believer in that how you rate how you were raised definitely provides your character but 
before we even get into how I was raised, I want to get into, oh my gosh, Corning, New York. Remember when Grandma and Grandpa took us to that elder hostel trip? Yeah, you guys had a good time. Yeah. Huh. That's all the way up here. All right. So, anyways, I wanted to first get into... Is this where you take the segue or, or and flash back to the picture of uh, Corning, New York photos with Grandma and Grandpa? Well, I could do that. I just might. But you have all the pictures. So. I did. I actually share Google Photos with you. You just can't seem to figure out how to get them off. I have tried finding... So it's amazingly sad that you have to go to a 60-year-old to figure out a technology. But Okay, you're not 60 because your AARP card can't even get you a discount at most of the places we go to, so... That's not true. That is true. You are not a senior citizen yet. Anyways, you are diverting from the subject at hand. And also, I can't figure out the Google Photos functionality. And I think that that's not a me thing. I can't see all the photos that you have. I can only see the new ones that you've taken. So maybe that's a user permission setting that you have to do on your end. We can look, but I'm pretty sure it says... All photos. All right, well, careful what you put in there, then. Um, anyways, so, wanted to get a good background as to who you are, because it's easy for 24, 25, any really young, any aged person, really, to look at their parents and think of them only as their parents. So, we are our own main characters in our own story. And so being that I'm my own main character, my dad is just a side character. So he doesn't have any other functionality in my life other than just dad. So, and wallet, apparently. So with that being said, we're going to take this opportunity to better understand my dad and who he was when he was growing up. So... We're going to first have you give a a brief bio about yourself. We already know that you're roughly 60 years old, and that's about it. I don't know. You you, you give some insights along the way that I found kind of entertaining in your podcast. Like what? I don't know. Uh, Where am I starting? Start at your earliest memory. My earliest memory? Might have been breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. It's like every other childhood. I don't know. That's not true. No? Why where, is it not true? Where were you Where are you from? I was born in uh, 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 Milwaukee. Well, actually, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's been 30 years living in the, ta- in the house we grew up in. You didn't say where you moved. We moved to Acton, Massachusetts. Do we need to tell everybody in the world? I guess there's only three people that listen, so. <laughs> um, well, then tell me a story that I don't already know. I don't know. I, I told I told you so much shit. Who knows when you, what you do and don't know. I don't know. Did I tell you about the doctor in Boston? <laughs> Went to the doctor down in, uh, in Boston that uh, did the uh, diagnosis for dyslexia. And, you know, did the whole thing, counting, counting forward, counting backwards, uh, reciting letters, random letters forwards and backwards. Had a, uh, a full physical that uh, the doctor enjoyed just a little too much. And the thing I will never forget is walking back into the room with my parents. And the first thing out of the doctor's mouth, he very first thing out of his mouth is, I know, you'll get back in the car, he's going to say I'm gay, and all this other, and I'm like, motherfucker, he knows this system, something ain't right, this isn't good at all. Got right down in the car, said that, and my parents just looked at me, didn't think, of, didn't think much more about it, and I don't know, 20 or 30 years later, uh, he had a whole... I don't know, world-renowned, but definitely well-known in the United States for dyslexic institute down in Durham, I think, Durham or Raleigh. And uh, as the uh, police were closing in, he killed himself because he had molested so many children over the years. So, that's an interesting story. 
That is an interesting story. And so, then, after being diagnosed by a pervert, you then went back to school where your teacher told you that they would take you on a camping trip, but they wouldn't like to have you in the classroom? That was in the private school. That was in the private school? So we jumped ahead. Well, that was kind of all merged together in that summer. I I backed up to the doctor, but the the, the end of that summer school when we were talking about going to winter school, full-time school. Wait, so you went to summer school? Summer school there. You went to summer school at Cardigan? Yes. You never even told us about Cardigan. Well, that was the beginning of the summer school. There wasn't a whole lot during the summer besides that. So did you have to apply to get in? Yes, you had to apply. Did you have to interview? I think the summer school was the interview. And the the the, the uh, uh, had to interview to go to the summer school, yeah. And then uh, had to interview for the winter school, which was that guy that... I don't remember what his name was, but uh, he was the one that made that comment. But uh, as you later found out from a, a, a boyfriend way long in the future that Cardigan Mountain School was for troubled young youths. They could afford to pay something. So how did you pick Cardigan? Was it just recommended? <laughs> or no Mother's passed away. That'd be the person to ask. Okay. So you ended up at Cardigan Mountain School, and at this point in time, you're still in middle school, so that makes you how old before you started living on your own? Well, I was in eighth grade when I went, the summer of eighth grade, and I had to repeat eighth grade when I went to winter school at Cardigan. So, how old are you when you're in eighth grade? 13? 12. 12? 12, 13? I don't know. Somewhere in that range. So basically, yes, I, I, I left my parents' house about that age. Came home for the summers like college. Yes. And do you think that that played into your development as an adult? So you became an adult faster than other people your age? Mother, mother sent them money every year because it changed my life. She was, uh, you know, the fundraising stuff. She she consistently sent them money because it it had a profound impact on my life. So, if you had to do a before and now, or a before and after, of what you were like before and then what you were like after, what would you say the before was like? Well, the before I was, I mean, I was just troubled. I mean, getting in trouble because of the reading and whatnot. You went to card again. It was a, it was a much smaller teacher-to-student ratio, uh, got more help, um, there was more discipline, I can't, it, it, was, it was very disciplined there, uh, not like military school, but you got up at a set time, breakfast was a set time, you had to wear the, you know, you had to, not a uniform, but you had to have a collared shirt, had to have a belt, your shirt had to be tucked in, you had to have pants, it couldn't be jeans, socks, shoes, no sneakers. You know, you had to be dressed. Uh, everybody had a job. They were, you, you were a waiter at some point. You cleaned classrooms at some point. Uh, worked your way around. If you did well, you got to be in leadership positions of those work, of those crews. Um, had to play a sport. That's where I, you know, played basketball, played football. Went any good at football. Really went any good at basketball. Played lacrosse. Pretty good at lacrosse. But yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah. I didn't know that you had to have jobs while you were working there, too. Chores. They were called chores. You didn't get paid. They were chores. They really had it kind of figured out there. They just used the kids that they were getting the tuition from and didn't have to pay any workers (laughs) because it was just forced labor. There you go. There you go. And you learned all sorts of all sorts of tricks, right? So, if you finished the milk, you had to go back up to get more milk from the kitchen. So, the rule was, if you had it in your cup, and you could tip the cup, and without spilling it, could see the bottom, the last person had to go get the milk because they didn't leave a more than a half a glass. So, 
I guess all of those little things teach you how to work a system. But also teaches you table etiquette because what else is the etiquette? I know if you were to hand me, if I we were sitting at a dinner table and I were to ask you to hand me a basket of rolls and I were to just take one from the top, you would drop the basket. Yeah, we had a we had a we had the headmaster's wife used to do that all the time. If you just grab the roll out of the basket, she just let it go. No matter what it was, serving dish, anything. You know, it collapsed on crashed on the floor, guess what the guess what the kid had to get to go do? In front of everybody. Go clean up. <laughs> she was uh she wasn't there that she, I don't know how long they were there. Well it's been my first year there. I don't remember this. I don't think she was there for both years. But. Cause and effect. In a way, then, you also continued your family dinners. If you were having dinners with the headmaster and his wife and all of your peers, that oh, that's considered a family dinner, I would say. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was all family dinner, sit-down dinner. Uh... uh and it was served family style, so the food was put out in platters, and then you, you know, wanted more, had to go up and get more. Yeah, it was all family style. How many people were in your class? Oh hell, I don't know. Hundreds? No, I forty maybe, maybe. I'm trying to picture the uh, dining room. How many tables of eight were in the dining room? Headmaster, I think, headmaster table, I think, sat 12, but the rest of them sat 10. There was always a teacher at every table. Teachers lived in the, lived there. Most of them, there was a date there. Yeah. Did you become very close with the other people that you were living with? Obviously, growing up and going to public school... You had a tough time fitting in because you didn't read and you had this stigma or persona that you were already subjected to because of your dyslexia. Did that continue to persist through? Uh, no, I mean, once you started getting good and you started getting success at things, I mean, uh, the other thing that they had was you had an, you had, uh, an effort grade and a grade and if you got all good grades you got certain allowances to go you got certain things you could do and if your effort was high if you had low grades and high effort you still got to do you still you still got rewarded with privileges so I think you it, it taught you that they, they, they taught you that effort meant something. You, you didn't have to have an A. You could have a C, and if that was the best you could do, that was the best you could do, and you were rewarded for that. I wish that was apparent in my calculus class that I had to take twice in college almost three times. Well, I did take it three times in college. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, what's the last thing after calc? What was calc for? Uh, yeah, that one. I, I, yeah, I struggled to get through that one. Yep. Don't know how to do any calculus, but I got through it. Well, that's genetic, because me neither. It's not genetic. I don't know if you remember that time we went to Grandpa's house, and he rolled out a slide rule and started doing stuff on it. You guys didn't even know what a slide rule was, and he was doing math. Yeah, that was, that was very debilitating. For those of you that ever had to do study island that was one of the most miserable things i've ever experienced in my entire life so study island was an online achievement preparation state standardized test thing so you had to go and do small learning sections online and it was just a pain because if you fail the section you then were able to retake the test for that section, 
but you would only get like half points. And if you continued to fail, the percentage of points that you would get for getting a question right would continue to diminish. So that you could get down to like only a sixth sixteenth of a percent for a question to get it right. But if you get the question wrong, that still knocks you down an entire point. It doesn't knock you down one sixteenth. It knocks you down an entire point. So it was an extremely, extremely debilitating thing to fail a subject multiple times because then you would get into that sticky situation where you had to have your grandfather break out a slide rule in front of you to teach you how to do your fourth grade math. But Nonetheless, going back to the subject at hand. So after Cardigan, you became more proficient with being able to conduct yourself in a group setting, moreover at school, and obviously you had to put an effort in front of your teachers. So then what happened after Cardigan? So you went there for eighth grade? Twice? Eighth and ninth. Eighth and ninth grade, and then after I graduated from there. I mean, I also, like I said, sports got to be a big thing. I had success in, in, in lacrosse. And after that, I, I, uh, I went to, uh, to Williston Northampton School in Massachusetts. Were Aunt Karen and Uncle JD ever jealous that you were going to all of these expensive boarding schools, or...? They, they, they pretty much were off into college. I mean, they were six and... What are they? I was born in 65. They were born in 58, 59. So they were six and seven years older than me. So that time, they were... they were We all kind of went to college, if you will, at the same time. I went to boarding school. They went off to college. So they were all gone. They, they were essentially... Uh, they were, <coughs> I was essentially having a very similar experience to what they were doing. That's a weird concept to think about. Do you think that you matured faster than they did? So if they were 13, do you think that you were more mature than them? Or would you come back from school and think that you had a higher level of maturity than they did? I don't know if I thought about that. But retrospectively, looking back on it? I don't know. Okay. Tough question, I, I guess. Well, one could argue I'm not very mature now, so I, I don't know how that works out. You're not wrong. There you go. Okay, so you graduated, went to Williston. And what did you do at Williston? Were you there for four years? Were you only there for a few years because you found your place? What happened there? 10th, 11th, and 12th. That was it. So went there for 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, nothing super exciting in school. Just played more sports, but got through school. Nothing nothing exciting happened, I don't think. I can't think of. Any memorable friends, memorable people? I don't... I mean, there's all... You always have memories of people, but I, there's nobody I've ever kept in touch with from any of those schools. Well, that's because you're an introvert before the era of social media, so that's probably largely why you haven't kept in contact with them. But that doesn't mean that you don't have memories with them or that you remember doing things with them. You know, we do stuff, I mean, not really school-related. Uh, hung out with a couple of people. We used to go to the beach and... and uh, uh, the beach as in Cape Cod? Uh, no, I can't, I'm trying to figure out where the beach we went to. This one story I was going to just went down to the beach. Because I, I lived in the eastern part of the state. They lived in the western part of the state. I want to say we went to Connecticut or someplace. We got on the highway on the way home. I was driving Dad's Opal, uh, Dad's Opal, Buick Opal. And uh, we're on the highway, had three of us in the car. The highway just started. We were doing probably 100. We could get, uh, and then some other car came up and we started racing. And I could pass them on the downhill, but I couldn't pass them on. They passed me on the uphill. And so we were flying, going on, going up the uphill, and they rocketed by me, went down the hill, and I started to catch speed up. And I just remember looking in the rearview mirror and just watching the police, the, the, the blue lights rising out of the road. 
because you could just see, you know, because he was coming over the hill behind us, the blue lights, and then the car screamed past us, pulled the other guy over, and <laughs> hopped on the brakes. As soon as I saw the cop, I didn't hop on the brakes, but I just started coasting slower. The other car is pulled over. We screamed by him about 80, 85. The kids are pointing at us as the cops got him pulled over. And, uh, yeah, legs were shaking. I don't know. Not an interesting story, but just kind of a funny recollection. Nothing really to do with school, was it? It doesn't have to do with school. <clears throat> it's your defining formative My years. My defining formative years. I would say I learned... I would say I learned less in school than I did outside of school. I didn't learn much in school. If you ask me anything that I learned in middle school or high school, I could probably tell you that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Outside of that, I've got nothing for you. I'd say lacrosse was probably the, you know, the, the, the discipline and being able to excel and having success at it. You know, uh, Williston, I was the sophomore. I was the only sophomore on the on the lacrosse team. Started. Interesting that uh, people's perceptions of you changed when you made the varsity lacrosse team. The girls seemed you seemed to think you were a little more interesting. The upperclassmen thought you were more interesting. But through school, I don't know. I guess. Uh, I was in the uh, New England All-Stars. Do you have that shirt? shirt? Yeah, I still have that shirt. shirt. What's the New England All-Stars? Are we just supposed to be expected to know what that is? uh, I I, I thought the name would have been pretty much uh, self-explanatory, but it was the uh, All-Star team for uh, uh, really just the uh, prep schools. So pretty much just all the people that played lacrosse. Well, at, that point, at that point, it pretty much was. It was. Uh, it was just a prep school. A prep school thing. That's. That's. Uh, yep. That's exactly what it was. And pretty much just in the northeast, uh, northeast in Maryland. After Syracuse went to, or after. Uh, no. Yep. They, after Williston went to Syracuse. Why'd you pick Syracuse? I, I guess. Well, there was Rensselaer, uh, Rochester, uh, RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnical Institute, which is really good. And didn't get in there. Uh, I don't know where I got into. Uh, I didn't apply to a whole lot of places. But Syracuse accepted. Uh, it was far enough away from home, but not too far. Easy to drive. That was uh, that was about it on that excitement there. Nothing more than that. The the, the in our family the, the the boys tended to be engineers. So my brother went to went to Purdue and got a degree in engineering. I went to Syracuse, got a degree in engineering. Funny that that narrative shifted when you had kids. You have two boys and a girl, and I'm the only one with an engineering degree. So. Correct. Back to your thing of uh, uh, we had to uh, test out of English. <clears throat> and it was supposed to be, I don't know, eight weeks long or something like that. You tested your way out of different portions of it. And I don't know, a year and a half, I was still working my way through that stupid shit. <laughs> I think they finally surrendered and just let me leave. Was engineering easy for you? Did you pick engineering because reading and math or reading was a lot more difficult than math, or was it because you had a genuine interest in engineering? Uh, went to college because I think that was the expectation, and uh, math was easier than English. That was it. And you were like, okay, I'm just going to become an engineer. Did you have a dream job? I mean, obviously no one dreams of working or having a job, but... No, I started out in electrical engineering, and I couldn't understand the electron zipping around the wire, going which way and that way, and 
I could understand a building standing up, so I switched to uh, civil engineering. Yeah, and for those of you that didn't study engineering, all of the engineers like to make fun of civil engineers for being the dumbest engineers, so. Yep, but they rely on us. You're going to come over here, buddy? You're going to go off into the thing, you dumbass. I had it on there. someone turns a turn signal on, you probably ought to believe that that's what's going to happen. One would, One would think. Majored in engineering. That's the only memorable thing about your your college experience. There were no there were no instances where you got in trouble with the law. There were no instances where you got into any trouble. You had any sort of doubts of being in college. Oh, so, here we go. See, why didn't you just say that? No, I struggled in college. And, uh, I got, uh, deformable bodies. I got a five on a test. And, uh, wasn't long after that, I, I dropped out of college. Had to be junior, had to be sophomore year. I want to say second semester sophomore year. Uh, and then, uh, Dropped out. Went home, drove home. <clears throat> I guess when I was dropping out, signing the papers that say that I was taking the, I don't know if it was a leave of absence or just dropping out. The lady made the comment of, well, you at least made a decision. You can at least feel good about that. Okay, thank you. Drove five hours home. Remember it was night. Mom was in her chair in the family room. Dad was laying on the couch watching the TV. Come walking in the door, sit down at the kitchen table. Mom kind of peers around the corner, looks at the calendar, looks at me and goes, this isn't uh, vacation. This isn't school break. What's going on? I'm not going back. Turned around, sat back down in her chair. Didn't say another word. Next day, I had some conversations. And somewhere along the lines, uh, Dad asked at work, where they uh, where they get truck drivers from, and I got signed up to truck driving school and went to truck driving school, which is what I, I love trucks ever since I was a little kid, and learned how to drive a truck and drove a truck around the Northeast for uh, I, I bet you it was a year that that spring and then the uh, yeah that spring and then into the fall. kind of interesting uh, thing uh, the, the, you know nothing super interesting about driving a truck I had a great time two stories that, the, the two things that kind of made me think about going back one was uh, looking in the windows of all the other trucks and most of them didn't look really happy they looked kind of old and craggedy smoking a cigarette And then uh, I was in a warehouse in Pennsylvania. And when you take your truck in, I delivered for uh, Ken's Food Salad Dressing. And I had to take the, we go deliver to grocery store warehouses. And every grocery store warehouse had their own shelving system where the pallets were a different size. And so rarely were you lucky to bring your truck in that had the same size pallets that fit on their shelves. So you had to unload your entire truck pallet by pallet and restack it on their pallets. And that was a good eight-hour day of backbending work. Um, they did have people you could hire to do that, but hell, I wasn't going to pay someone to do that. And I'm sitting there standing around. You know, I went to boarding school. I had my good collared shirt on with my nice L.L. Bean sweater on, standing there waiting for uh, someone to bring me pallets. Some guy drove by in a forklift, stopped and asked what I was doing. I needed help. I said, well, I'm waiting for someone to bring me pallets. He kind of shook his head, drove away. I was 
pallets finally showed up. I started swapping stuff over, and that guy came back, and I mean, he he got just about nose to nose to me and was asking me what the fuck I was doing. Why did you drop out? You know, why are you here? Why aren't you in college? Well, I dropped that. What kind of a dumb idiot would do that? Paid for. Didn't have to do anything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he was, he was mad. And I don't know if he was mad because his kid did it, or I don't know if he was mad because he did it. But he was not happy at all. And wasn't long after that that, uh, you know, I went back and got re-enrolled. I guess I had to apply again. I had to, I had to get accepted back. So, and I went back and, you know, everybody else. I had to learn freshman and sophomore year while I was doing the junior year stuff. So I had two sets of books open for a while, trying to get myself caught back up to things. Really, at the end of it, I, I, I always kind of thought college was easier than high school. Why? Except for calculus. <laughs> Just, it was what I liked. I understood it. You know, you didn't have to do a lot of other horse crap. Just didn't make much sense to me. You know, what do you do? I don't know why you pulled over, but I appreciate it. But, uh, yeah. So you graduate college, and then what? Uh... Graduated in 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 '89, and there was a recession going on. Nobody was hiring in construction. You know, there was no internet, so you didn't really get uh, get an exercise there with that microphone. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, if you could have thought about something here, um, uh, the railroad called after an interview. Flew down to. Uh, down to so how'd you find your job if Seth, there's no LinkedIn? We had a book. I got a book. I don't know where the book came from. It had a whole bunch of construction companies. I want to say Union Pacific and Norfolk Southern were the only railroads in it. And I sent letters to a whole slew of people. And Norfolk Southern was the only one that sent anything back. Uh, it's a lie. Sounds desperate. I think on both sides. That is correct. And, funny enough, it really hasn't changed. <laughs> um, but, kind of one of those, I don't know, serendipity things. Uh, uh, it, it, The railroad has fit me better than, than I would have thought. And, and, and another job, an office job or a, a factory job. You know, it's always outside. It's always moving. for an interview. Funny thing about the interview interview was the uh, had to take a uh, psychological test. <clears throat> and there were all sorts of I would say even at that point were probably illegal questions if anybody asked. I mean they you know what would you do if you found a bird laying alongside the road? Well, have you ever kissed a woman? A little while later, have you ever kissed a man? A little while later, have you ever kissed your dad? A little while later, have you ever kissed your mom? A little while later, did you kill the bird? Um, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. And, uh, this was, yeah, 89. This was 89. Uh, the, the, the test was copyrighted in 55 and updated in uh, 59. I wasn't born. My parents weren't, were, were, weren't even married because my parents got married at the very end of 55. Um, just kind of fun. So I got a job on the railroad. Worked in... Uh, first job was in Columbia, South Carolina. Was it not a drastic difference going from New England to living in the South? Not just weather-wise, but people-wise. Oh yeah, I mean it was it, yeah, tremendously different. And and throw the railroad in because the railroad really has their own language, if you will. On you know, I didn't know anybody in the railroad. And the railroad, most railroad people when I hired 
were all second, third, fourth generation railroaders. They had all, their parents had done it. They had, you know, grandparents, parents, they did it. Their brothers were out here. Uh, I didn't know. I mean, it's just the way they talked. But yes, coming in the South, uh, you know, and, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, different races where I went to school and came down and, you know, I remember going to a restaurant and, and being the only white person in the restaurant. I just didn't didn't realize it was there until it, I was paying the check and starting to leave. And like, well, that's interesting. I don't know if I've ever had this before. No big deal. Nice people. Uh, very nice people. Went to a went to a a, a, a restaurant called Lizard Thicket around Columbia, South Carolina. You got one choice of meat and like a dozen sides. And they had a wall like a 30 of the sides. And I, of course, said, no, I don't want any of those. And she said, well, well, what do you mean? You got to have some collard greens. I don't know what that is, man. So she thought that was hysterical. She listed off a few things. I don't know. I didn't know what any of them were. So by the end of the dinner, I had every one of them sitting on there. And I still don't like any of them. One guy yelled at me, he goes, how come you never, how come you never waved to nobody? What do you mean? I mean every time, I mean, that guy's arm had to get tired because he spent all day. Just, hey, how you doing? My roommates used to make fun of me for that all the time. I told them my very first time I went on a run in Boston, I would wave at somebody and they just wouldn't wave back and they would give me like a really dirty look is like they were surprised that I was waving at them because they thought that I might have knew or known somebody that was behind them but there was no one behind them so I would frequently get dirty looks and my roommate asked me that she's like does your arm not get tired from waving at all those people I was like no it doesn't it doesn't it's just normal. When you see someone running and you're also running, you just give the wave. That's the that's the normal thing to do. Man. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Uh, yes, next. Do you think you belong more in the north or in the south? I don't think it matters anymore. I, I mean, I was in the north for a long time, but in the south, uh, I think I'm more of a I'm very direct. The southern folk don't really know what to do with me because when they ask a question, I answer it. I don't beat around the bush. I don't care if I hurt their feelings. Uh, you know, up north, if someone asks you a question, they'll call you a dumbass and then solve the problem, and, and nobody gets offended by it. Down south, if you call them a dumbass, they all get they all get their little feelings hurt. Even if you're not really, you know, just kind of more of a saying than it is anything else. Until they get to know you. Alright, so I then got moved to uh, Chocowinity, North Carolina. Uh, was there for a while. Was going to visit a friend. I'm trying to get to you quick. Going to visit a friend from college. And then uh, as I was up there visiting her, she had a friend that I met. Turned out to be your mother. Was mom the only serious girlfriend that you ever had? Serious girlfriend I ever had? Oh, I don't know. No, I had a tendency of dating people for a while. So that's where Nico gets it from. Maybe. Maybe. But none of them were serious. I only married your mother. Okay, so I well... Don't know how I, I don't know how else to answer that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I guess there might be some, might be the funny part of that is maybe she wasn't serious. <laughs> 17 years later, and she decided she didn't want to be there. But we skipped past you. Yes, you did do that. Uh, my father likes to say that uh, David was a premature child. Okay, let's conclude this episode before we get into the into the next episode. Okay, so you met mom, but how did you know that mom was the person that 
you wanted to be with. Was that, does that go into David being a... No. No. I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's one of those things. You know, it's just one of those things. You meet people that you just automatically connect with. That was for me. You'd have to ask your mother on her side. But, you know, we got along. I don't know. Well, being that I'm 24 and single, yeah, no, I don't know. So could you maybe elaborate, like, a little more? Well, Well, we'll go in. So I went up to visit the friend and met your mother on April 14th. Back in the day, we had no cell phones, no texting. She was up and around the Washington, D.C. area. I was down in North Carolina. And uh, talked to her on the phone from pay phones during the day. Told her I'd give her 105, no, 505 reasons to quit smoking. Mom smoked? Yeah, you mother smoked. Yeah. 505 reasons to quit smoking. She asked why. I uh, had a plane ticket to uh, St. Martin. Literally, our first date was to St. Martin. Why St. Martin? What's the what's uh, the? Karen and Tony, my sister and her husband, had a timeshare there. My parents were going to be there that week. I was already planning on. So you went on oh, your first oh, date oh, yeah. and introduced your new girlfriend oh, yeah. to your entire family. That sounds on brand for me, so. And then, uh, so that was the first week of May. So April 14th, first week of May, she came back, went with that friend from D.C. out to Vegas, went to Vegas, toured around Vegas for a little bit, for a week or two weeks, came back and moved in. So in under 45 days from when I met her, she moved in. When you got it, you got it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. know. Some of these some of these things you might want to interview her and get things filled in from her perspective. Uh, I think that we may may not. (laughs) But I mean after that, uh, let's see, we're we're, we're, I'd have to I'd have to go find a we need a calendar. Uh, so I I hired on the railroad in eighty nine. I moved to Chocolinity in ninety one. She had to have moved in in 91, late 91. Nah, it must be 92. She must have been in 92. Must have been in 92. Because uh, 93, fall of 93, we moved to... Uh, we moved to Fort Wayne. I got transferred, so we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then got married. Man, I'd have to look at the calendar. I don't know what year we got married in. It was on the grandfather clock, Grandpa Bill, but I, we took the name, that name plate off. Looking back on your life, is there anything you would have done differently? You know, the, the whole thing of regret, you can't... I mean, I, I, I don't have any regrets. If I had regrets ever meeting your mother, I wouldn't have you three. You know? I mean, she... she. You know, most of the shit I have, she bought. She, she you know, or, or at least got me headed to that direction. She was there for 17 years before, she, uh, before we divorced. But no, I don't have any regrets. Anything else notable that you'd like to share? Do you have something you're aiming for? Nope. I don't either. No. I mean, just going through life. Well, I guess my my next question, or my final question for this episode is, if you don't increment your time of your life by years that you were in school or by who you were dating... How do you keep track of the time of 
oh, this is what I was doing during that time. Like For me, obviously, by the questions I ask, I segment it by my schooling, my jobs, relationships, but you don't. So what yeah, do you but, categorize but, time by? But, but it's also the difference between you're 25, all that stuff is way closer to you than me being almost 60. You don't. You're. You're not. You're not breaking your school down by first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. You just break it down by school. So, uh, you know, and, and really, once you start having children, your your kids kind of are the defining things of the life. The, 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 the I mean, everything revolves around the kids and school, and the next thing happens, and you know, you know they talking to a friend that, uh, uh, you know, the big thing now is they're talking about people that aren't having children, deciding not to have children, don't want to give up the freedom, and don't want to do this, and, you know, you can. I get it, each their own, no, no problem with that, but everything has an upside, everything has a downside, you know, a lot of work in a kid, but... You know, it's, it's kind of like the whole thing of a, a woodworker making a project. You get to the end and you get to stand back and see what you've created. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, the, the one thing with the woodworker, if he doesn't like it, he can just burn it. I'm kind of stuck with you. That is true. You are. That's all that we're going to cover in this episode for today. Getting a background on my dad and... On our next episode, we're going to be talking about defining characteristics of being a father and what that really means. Because now that he's done being the main character, he's now the main character. He's a sub side character, a supporting role to my main character role. A financial supporting role. Yes, a financial supporting role. So, thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of The Aspiring Adult. Bye. Thank you.